welcome to another edition of Dose of Dog, presented by our friends here at Embark in Eau Claire. Scott with you across the way is Heather from Embark. And Heather, at the time of us recording this show, we are uh, right in the middle of fall. Uh, you said it's been busy for you guys here, but uh, one thing we always tend to forget to do, just a quick reminder of all the services you guys offer here. Mm-hmm. So... We do all things dog. So we do dog daycare, uh, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. We start opening up on Saturdays, December through March. So kind of the colder months here in Wisconsin. So um, Saturdays we're open December through March, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, and then training classes. So we have group classes and we have everything from Puppy Einstein um, to therapy dog training to agility to fun um, kind of games classes we have some a la carte classes that are only four weeks long, as I call them. So like stay with me, loosely schwacking, come on called. Um, and then behavior consulting. So I do all the behavior consulting with fears, phobias, aggressions um, towards humans, dogs, you name it. Um, you know, kind of more one-on-one -on -one intense work, um, not necessarily in behavior consulting. We don't really do work on skills. We work on kind of changing emotional states towards triggers, essentially. Um, and then grooming. So we have four groomers that groom um, all week. Um, and then uh, canine massage is something I do a little bit on the side. And then uh, events. So, for example, we do a Kong stuffing or food stuffing event. We're doing another one this upcoming week. Um, we do them. We'll look for them throughout the holidays. We usually do a couple through the holidays just to teach people how to stuff enrichment toys so things like topples and kongs and stuffable toys we kind of do a buffet which is really fun so we do lots of different kinds of stuff kind of getting back into events a little bit more these days a little bit <laughs> as the world opens up kind of well of course uh again the fall winter's coming up mm. as well as you said uh, events and what have you but no matter what when we get into the into the winter time people no matter what, have to kind of be a little bit more shut in. You're not going to be going for as many walks with the dog, yeah. if you will. Uh, you're not going to be going to the dog park as much. Just we as as humans don't like to leave the house <laughs> as much, uh, especially when it's minus five outside. All Ooh. of a sudden, that uh, trip to the grocery store becomes a uh, Herculean effort. <laughs> With that in mind, I know that's what uh, kind of the idea, the framing of the topic today. Uh, things people can be doing as they are cooped up with their dogs and things that they could be doing with their with their lovable animals in the living rooms and in the yeah. basements and all of that. Yeah, so as we head into winter, I mean, I know so <laughs> some people get really depressed as we head into winter. I actually really like winter. Um, I love snow and doing stuff in the snow, and I don't mind the darkness, but um, a lot of people kind of go, oh, man, all right, hunker down. You know, we're, we're in kind of a, a dark, cold state until spring. So I think sometimes during those, you know, our, our, our upcoming cold months, December, January, February into March, no, well, November, I guess, too. Uh, uh, sometimes our, our, we don't do as much outside, perhaps, with our dogs. Maybe our walks might be lessened, um, maybe the trips to the park and maybe just being outside grilling in the backyard and like hanging out in the backyard. You know, a lot of, uh, obviously, you know, mid-February when it's 20 below, no one's grilling. Well, 
perhaps some people are, but their dog's probably not hanging out outside unless they're an Arctic breed. So, so, so we, we always think that we have to walk our dogs, right? Like everyone thinks, oh my gosh, like our dog didn't get a walk. Our dog didn't get a walk. Our dog didn't get a walk. But actually walks aren't that important. Um, and I know that sounds like, oh my gosh, the walks aren't important, but you can fill that time with other stuff that is just as valuable. And I think even more valuable at times than actually physically taking them out for a walk. And we've talked in the past on several episodes about the importance of sniff walks and getting them out into new environments and having them smell, which isn't a, you know, maybe an aerobic activity for you, but it's really crucial to our dog's kind of well-being to be able to do those kinds of activities where they just go out and they smell and they be a dog. So there is obviously there's going to be days coming up um, in the next several months where maybe you just can't go outside. And, And that's, you know, counter to that is summer, right? Like, I mean, we have days in the summer where we have stretches of, you know, 95 degrees with like a ton of humidity and it's just miserable for people to go outside. And so the things I want to talk about today is what can you do in your house that will kind of occupy that time or help your dog be um, kind of more satisfied um, in your house? Because there's a lot of things you can do in the house that that will help your dog do kind of some brain work, um, physically maybe kind of test them, not in a way that like a sniff walk would or, you know, going to, to a big open field where they can play ball or they can run and smell. But there's a lot of little focused activities that they can do at home. And, you know, we, we often, when we talk about um, our dog's kind of mental well-being, we always want to kind of do this equation of, yes, they need physical activity. But on the flip side of that, they equally as important, they need mental stuff. So, you know, what does that look like? That looks like training and games and and doing little technical moves with their bodies and those things will add up really quickly i mean if you if you skip a walk a day don't panic <laughs> if you skip a walk a couple days don't panic you know there's still so much that you can do at home that will fulfill kind of that need for your dog and so these are just little things that i kind of made just a little quick list of like here's some stuff that is easy kind of for anyone to do that you can add into their world and you know the other thought that i had as i was kind of compiling my list of what are some living room activities that you could do with your dogs are are dogs that have are post-surgical you know dogs that possibly just had a cruciate repair um maybe dogs that are 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 recovering from an injury where they can't walk. I mean, that that is a, a large population of dogs as well. They're recovering from a space surgery, a neutering, neutering surgery. I mean, all of those dogs are on crate rest typically for like 10 days minimum for some of the dogs. And they, they just can't go out for a walk. And so these things will be applicable. Some of them <laughs> will be applicable to those dogs too. Um, <clears throat> you know, we... we We talk a lot about food enrichment, you know, stuffing toys and giving them food puzzles and things like that. But there's a lot more that you can do that will enrich kind of their mental well-being um, right along with some of the other things that you're doing. So so let's kind of rock through my list. Um, Some of these things we teach in classes. So a lot of you may have um, already uh, been teaching some of these behaviors, but some of them you can go a little bit further with. So... Um, first one is a hand target, and that is really easy. Um, and 
teaching a hand target is kind of the cornerstone for a lot of behaviors that we can shape from that. So a hand target is simply just that, like you're going to put your hand out. What we want, the behavior we're looking for is the dog just nosing your hand. And most dogs will do that naturally. You put your hand out and they're like, hey, what do you have? Um, and they'll bring their nose out and kind of bop you on the hand. Um, and we can just start reinforcing that. So the way that we like to teach this is we have a handful of kibble or treats in one hand. You put that hand behind your back because a lot of the dogs will perseverate on the hand that has the treats in it. <laughs> Offer your other hand. The dog nose bumps it. You can mark that with a marker word like yes and then reward them. Um, and then maybe you start moving your hand a little bit as your dog gets gets more proficient at this. Um and then you can have them jump up to get a hand target. You could do to the side, to the right, both hands. So with a hand target, you do a lot of things. And this is actually kind of a gateway behavior for retrieving. Like this is how we start to teach a retrieve is we start with a hand target. Um, service dog work. My gosh, this is like a really strong foundation for service dog work because um, for mobility tasks, the dogs are taught a hand target, which evolves into a retrieve. The nose target becomes a, a behavior that we use for turning lights on and off, for um, opening cupboards, shutting cupboards. And we're actually, that's on my list. So we're going to talk about that, the um, shutting the cupboard door, because that's kind of fun to teach too. So a hand target, super easy. Most people can do it. Um, you know, it doesn't just have to be sitting in front of you. You can move the dog around quite a bit. Um, and, and that creates a little bit of action that you could do in the living room. Or you could do like a family um, circle. You know, one of the, someone does a hand target. The other person calls the dog and does a hand target. Someone does a hand target behind them, in front of them, above them. So that that you can make into a bunch of different things. And, and one of the awesome things about teaching tricks is that on those really cold days, dark days, you can chain these together, you know, and kind of mix them up so that your dog is, is you can do a couple of them, which will just be a little bit of a brain workout, which is, which is awesome for any dog. Um, a hand target is great for dogs with mobility issues because they don't have to get up to do it. Um, and so just a little like putting your hand out, their nose bumping it. If your dog tends to bite your hand, which we know, you know, puppies right before they lose their teeth, they get really bitey. So, you know, between, you know, 12 weeks and 16 weeks, somewhere in there, like their biting kind of comes to a crescendo. Um, those dogs, if they're putting their teeth on you, my suggestion is to elevate your hand kind of over their ear a little bit because they almost have to um, physically, the way that they're standing in that moment, kind of nose up and then their nose will touch your hand rather than their teeth. So that would be a little way to problem solve that. So hand target, easy peasy, really fun. You can throw it into anything. Um, second one is a chin rest. So this, again, like all of these behaviors are kind of a cornerstone for bigger and better things. So a chin rest could be on your hand. So um, putting your, you know, cupped hand out underneath their chin is a cue for my dogs to come and rest their head on my hand. Um, you could teach it on your lap. So you could teach a little chin rest on the on your lap. And the way that you can start this is your hand is out or or um, if you want your dog to come and rest in your lap. Um, <clears throat> kind of putting a treat on the other side of your hand. The dog comes, rests his chin. You can mark it with the word yes and deliver. Um, and and the, again, the chin rest is a really important behavior that we teach for cooperative care. 
Um, I had to do a podcast on that one of these days too. So cooperative care is just when the dog is having care done to them. So ear cleaning, taking out wood ticks, as we know, deer ticks in our state. Um, and, and we need them to kind of stand in a stationary position. Um, vaccines, like getting vaccines. Um, and so the chin rest is kind of a cornerstone of a lot of cooperative care skills. And cooperative care just means that your dog is actively participating in their care. So they're offering a chin rest, which is kind of a behavior that says, okay, I'm ready to do the thing, you know, clean my ears or brush me or look for ticks or whatever, whatever kind of care procedure that you're putting into place in that moment. So a chin rest, you could teach them to do it on different things on your lap, on your, on your hand, um, whatever, you know, you, you would like them to rest their little chin on. So that one's a kind of a fun one. And again, easy for dogs with limited mobility because they don't have to move. Good for humans with limited mobility because they don't have to move. Um, and, and again, we could, we can put that into a little chain to make it, you know, a little bit more exciting for the dog. Um, the next one is a, a little paw cross. So maybe um, they're laying down can you teach them to cross their paws? And there's a lot of dogs that do this naturally and a really easy way to train dogs. And we've talked about this before is just to capture it. So the dog does it on their own. Um, can you just go up and reinforce that? So <clears throat> um, to, the way to get this is if your dog knows a shake, um, if they're laying down, you can ask them to for a shake and bring your hand across their midline. So bring it across their body so that they're, they're leaning. Let's say that you're asking for a right paw shake as they're laying down. Um, and shake, we could go over that, but a lot of people teach that and that's a pretty easy one to teach. So the dog is laying down, you ask for their right paw to shake, but you would ask for it. So the dog has to lift up, bear weight on their left elbow, and then bring their right paw midline. And then when they do that, you can mark that with the word, yes, you can um, reinforce them for crossing their paws. And then that's so cute. I mean, talk about adorable picture opportunities. <laughs> like the paw cross is pretty darn cute. Um, and a lot of dogs will sit like that kind of naturally. Um, with their little paws crossed. So that's a pretty cute one to do. Um, a spin and a twirl. Like these are, th this is what I call a functional trick. So yes, it's cute to teach them to spin and to teach them to twirl. And I use twirl as the opposite way. But <clears throat> the other thing that this is doing is it's teaching some proprioceptive skills, which just means the dog is learning how to move their body in space and how to push kind of from their rear, which most dogs aren't really good at that. So um, a little spin and a twirl. So to get them to do this, you would have them in a stand, um, have them take a step forward out of the stand um, with a lure. And the lure you would have, and I'm, I'm, the way that I'm explaining this is luring. You certainly, if you're a good free shaper, you could shape this, which means you're not going to really give the dog information. They're going to start offering behaviors, <clears throat> excuse me, and we're going to shape that into what we want it to look like. Um, but for here, we're just going to lure because it's easy. We're in the living room and it's December and it's, you know, 40 below wind chills outside. <laughs> so, um, the dog's going to be in a stand. They're going to take a step forward with your food lure in your hand. And when you do a spin and a twirl, one thing to be aware of is the placement of your reinforcer. So if it's too high, your dog's probably going to sit. If it's too low, they're probably going to lay down. So 
they're down, <clears throat> you're going to lure them around in a circle with the treat a little bit lower <clears throat> kind of um, neck or low chest level, upper chest level, I would say. You're just going to lure them into a circle. Um, and the minute they complete the circle, they get the food. So um, you can teach this as a spin. And then opposite to this, you could teach this a twirl, which would be, um, you know, clockwise and then counterclockwise. And then eventually your dogs just, you can just do a hand signal with them. So they, they, you give them a little cue that looks like when you lured them. And then that becomes your, your hand signal um, for them to do this little trick. Um, and, and one, you know, it's interesting to watch dogs, how they're better on one side than the other side. So that's kind of a... Um, I guess, interesting information for us as we watch them. <clears throat> we have a lot of people that call these different things. So Dawn, one of our instructors here, she calls it uh, twist and shout, which I thought was cute. So like twist clockwise, shout counterclockwise. Um, you could call it right and left. You could call it G and haw. So in the mushing world, G is right and haw is left. So you could... Um, call it that if you wanted. Um, maybe not if you're a mushing dog because we don't actually want a full circle <laughs> in that context. Um, uh, way and by. So way is right. I believe my herding friends would correct me, but I don't do any herding work because I have retrievers. Um, way is right. By is left um, to get them to, to turn that way. Um, and then we have a client who sails and I think they call it starboard and port, which I don't recall which way is which. <laughs> so I am not skilled. <laughs> I'm not skilled water person. But that was a cute name. So you can call it whatever you want really. But um, but a good a good uh, trick to do just to teach them some rear end awareness too. Like where are they placing their body and how are they going to push off the right? How are they going to push off the left? So spin and twirl is another easy one. And then let's go back to the hand target because this is a little bit more advanced. So um one thing that's kind of fun to teach, once your dog gets a hand target, so once they're offering a hand target in multiple positions and you can move your hand around and they will offer it, one really cool way to get them to learn to shut a cupboard door is to take a post-it note. So um, take a post-it note and put it on the hand you're asking them to target. And then you you move your hand around with the post-it note on it so they, they understand how to target the post-it note. Um, or like, um, I actually used a, uh, yogurt lid, I think at one point, um, with one of my dogs. So you're holding it or you have a post, post-it notes are just easy because <laughs> they can stick on anything. And once the dog learns to target the post-it note, post-it note, I guess, um, then what we can do is we can put the post-it note on the cupboard door. So your hand, first I would lay my hand on the post, on the cupboard with the post-it note and then ask the dog to target that. And then once they get good at it, I would start slowly moving the post-it note to the cupboard and then slowly eliminating your hand out of that scenario. Um, and again, marking when they are, are um, putting their, their, their nose on the post-it note. And a nose, right? Not a paw. Like we want to make sure we don't get paws or your cupboards are going to be really scratched up. <laughs> so, uh, um, and, then, and then slowly with the post-it note, once they're nosing the post-it and they are, are, are putting pressure onto the door, then we, you know, we use the process called shaping where now 
like successive approximations of what the final behavior is going to look like are rewarded. So um, nose touches where they're putting a little bit of pressure. So the door actually kind of shuts a little bit and then a little bit more pressure and then a little bit more pressure until they actually are kind of bonking the cupboard or the refrigerator door and it's shutting. So that would kind of be the process of that. And that's a, like a really fun thing to teach. Um, I mean, you'll impress all of your guests at Christmas if you can get your dog to like shut the door after you or shut your like cupboard door after you throw something away in the garbage and you can say, hey, dog, shut the door. Um, and then with the post-it note, then what we do is once they're they're targeting the post-it note on that door, so a refrigerator door, a cupboard door, is then we start cutting it. So then it's like, you know, three-fourths of a post-it note and then a half of a post-it note and then, you know, like smaller and smaller bits until you kind of just eliminate the post-it until you can just point to a door and the dog will, you know, bonk it on their nose. So um, that's kind of a fun way to to teach that trick. Um, And then there's some things that you can do um, with just stuff around the house. So those were kind of more stationary uh, well, spin and twirl isn't necessarily stationary, but um, you don't need a lot of space for those things. Um, and then uh, then what you can do is kind of start looking around your house. Like, what do we have here that we can work on the dog um, engaging with something in the house? So um, the thing that I that comes to mind when, when we talk about that is a front end and a rear end target. So like a front end target just means your dog's going to put its paws up on something. So, I mean, at any time you do any of this, it's always important with the tricks that are mobile to have a surface that isn't slippery underneath them. Um, or the dog probably, number one, isn't going to want to do it because the floor is slippery. Um, and number two, if your dog is very enthusiastic, they could have the potential for injury. So just make sure whatever floor you're doing this on is stable for them to be walking on and, and moving around on like a, a carpet or um, something. Those little gym mat things they make for kids are, those work pretty well too. So a front end target, that could be, you don't even need like a real target. You know, like we have these little targets that we use here that are little platforms. Um, it could be like the steps, you know, the the steps going to upstairs. It could be, can you put your front paws on this front step? Um, you could use a bucket as long as the bucket is fairly stable um, and the dog is comfortable putting their feet up on it. Um, we use a lot of those little uh, livestock bowls, those heavy rubber black livestock bowls that you can get at like farm supply stores. Um, those work really well. They come in three different sizes. So they come in like, you know, Mastiff size and then like Labrador size and then like, you know, Shih Tzu size. <laughs> um, and they're super cheap. They're like four bucks and they're rubber and they, they are grippy. So they're, they're safe. Um, some of the big dogs will collapse them. So you need two, you need one on the interior, like this next smaller size. So you're kind of nesting them in one another. So front end target is kind of fun to teach. This could be on, if you have a dog that is really tall, it could be on an ottoman. Um, um, but, but again, looking at, you know, potentials for injuries, just be cautious of how high that might be. It might be like a short little, we have one that's pretty small. Um, but it could be anything. It could be like a stack of books that, that aren't going to slide around. It could be, um, 
Gosh, I mean, it could be anything really just to put their front end on. And once you get them to do it on one thing, we could start to generalize it to other things. Um, um, and you could call it paws or toes or whatever it might be. And so how you're going to get this is lure the dog up or shape. If you are a free shaper and you would like to just shape this behavior, you could do that. Uh, but the easy way to do it is just lure them up on it, have them put their front paws, reward them. And you're going to do like a million repetitions of that. So they understand that putting their front feet on something um, is the behavior that's being rewarded. So a front uh, front paw target. Um, other things in your house would be, gosh, a pillow. You could start with like a couch pillow or something. You could start with um, uh, anything. Gosh, I bet if you look out in your garage, there's probably like a whole bunch of things that you could probably um, put that the dog could, could target um, in that moment or make something, you know, like a little two by four or something, even just putting their paws on that would be pretty easy to do. So uh, front end target. And then like another hard part would be a rear end target. Rear end's a little bit harder to get because, it, and, and just because we, you know, we do everything at the front of our dogs. You know, it's rare that we are behind them asking them to do any kind of cue. Um, and honestly, most dogs don't have much, you know, like ability, I don't even want to say ability, they maybe don't have enough awareness of where their rear is in space to be technical about where they place it. So a rear end target would be the same thing. You could get them to put their their back two feet on something. Now this, I would not do something high. Um, you know, it could be, again, the little bowls we talked about. It could be um, that we use a lot of wobble cushions. They're like a little stability cushion that kids would sit on or humans would use as like for stability exercises, perhaps in like physical therapy. Um, those are really inexpensive. You, know, you can get them for like 13 bucks or something. And actually a lot of the, the um, secondhand stores have them because, you know, people get rid of exercise equipment fairly frequently. Uh, so a rear end target. Um, and then, gosh, once you get both of them, you get a front end target and you get a rear end target. Um, then it's really easy. You could do front and rear. So the dog puts their front on one thing and their rear on the other thing. And then the party starts. I mean, then you can do some really cool like core strength stuff with the dogs. But um, it's a pretty, like I said, a, a fairly easy behavior to teach. So um, front end target, rear end target. And then the last one that I have is a Cavaletti. So what a Cavaletti is, is it's essentially just, uh, it, it, well, it, the way that you would make maybe some of these behaviors or, or create some of these uh, obstacles, I guess, is let's say you took every broom or shovel or handled you know, piece of cleaning equipment that you have in your house, can you lay them, you know, on a floor that is not slippery um, and get the dog to walk over them? So like taking every mop or broom that you have in your house and laying them across like the basement floor where the the floor is easier for the dogs to walk on and just get them to walk over them you know, get them to step, get them to proprioception. Proprioception is just like getting them acclimated to, to being, having awareness and moving their body through a space um, and get them to walk over those. And, you know, we think, we think about a lot of these things and we think, well, you know, that's not going to wear them out. But, you know, what if your dog knew how to do all of these things? And this is not a very long list of tricks. Um, 
And if they knew how to do all of these things, we could string these all together um, and we could come up with kind of a fun little routine, I guess, where they could do a whole bunch of these things, you know, run over, shut the closet door, come back, lay down, cross their paws, get up, front end target, go shut a door, lay down, chin rest. I mean, you can kind of chain all of these together. Which then that can be like a, a nice little, you know, exercise for them to do during the day. So, so the Cavalettis are, are, we're just laying, you know, broomsticks or mop sticks or whatever out in a space. Um, and getting them to just walk over them and maybe trot over them. And they don't have to be high. Um, because as your dog moves across those poles, they're going to have to think about where they're placing their rear end. Um, and, and there's a lot of, I mean, if you were actually rehabbing a dog, there's a lot of guidelines as far as how far the placement is going to be away from one another and um, the speed at which you're going to move them and how high they're going to be. But if you just laid a bunch across the floor um, and just kind of guided the dog over them until they get proficient at going over them without letting their paws touch any of the mop sticks or broomsticks or whatever it might be, um, this is just a good little exercise for them. They have to think. It's kind of that, you know, they're doing a yoga position and they really have to think about where their body is in that moment, which is just a good little brain work to do. So there's, you know, just because it's wintertime doesn't mean that we can't do a lot of stuff. Maybe we just don't do it outside where it's cold. <laughs> um, and so all of these exercises that we kind of went over, um, once you teach them, we can start chaining them together. And then that's where we really get a good, like kind of enriching training session with them where we do, um, you know, five or six tricks and then we do a Cavaletti and then we go back and then we do five or six tricks and then we do a Cavaletti or whatever it might be. But it's just a really good way to, to um, get them to engage mentally Um um, while physically kind of they're doing some exercises that will will help them on those days that you can't really get outside when it's cold out. Um, so start teaching those tricks. Let's start with a hand target and then um, see what else we can get um, through the winter. And by the time winter is over, you guys will have like amazing little gymnasts in your living room. <laughs>